Yeah, yes. It is Thursday. It is nine. It's UK Cowboys time. But, guys, how do we feel? Not about the loss. We'll get to that in a moment. How do we feel about there finally being a fan rant show for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> ideally it should have been a couple of weeks further down the line. But... Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. We usually do the fan rant show once the season finished. Marks the end of the season and the beginning for everybody to do the big exhale. Get everything off your shoulders. You guys at home, the MVPs of this show. It's in the description. You control the show. You control what we talk about, what we say. There is literally no prep for this show. So we are about to ramble for a little bit while the questions and the comments come in. Whatever it is you want to talk about, discuss anything at all. Could be cowboys or non cowboys related. We've had some non cowboys related questions in here before, uh, which are a little bit on the weird side. But um, yeah, bring them all in. Uh, now the guys did the post game show on Tuesday, um, so whew, that could be uh, th- that, those are those are the tough shows. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but let me hit you with it, and we'll start with everyone at home, guys, just because uh, usually I start the show with the thoughts and feelings. So I'll start off straight away, guys. How do you feel about this now being the official Cowboys off-season? Let's go around the horn. Depressed, actually. I mean, obviously, you know, this was an absolute shocker at the weekend. Um, it's it's you know, the the only thing to take from it is that, you know, this, this has come as a shock. If you liken it to being on an aeroplane, would you rather be in the ego situation where you know you're going to crash, you know you're probably going to die, and you've got, you've got six six or seven weeks to, to get used to that idea, or would you rather it just instantaneously? Um, and, you know, obviously... You'd much rather go out like that as opposed to being the Eagles. Um, but it's, it's still a shocker, you know. We we expect everything gets set up. No, no other team has in this new format has ever hosted a game and lost mm-hmm. um, as, as the number two seed. We're the only one that was hosting the game this weekend that lost. Um, you know, and. The, the Packers took it to us. The the defense, you know, I I, I was sitting in the pub. I had arranged to meet one of the uh, one of the Packers fans from another podcast that I listen to, and I'm a Patriot Ooh. group with. Mm. And we were sitting in the pub, and as soon as Deron Bland got held, he got flagged on that first drive, and yeah. it looked like we'd cleared. You know, the defense had got the offense off the field. Thought, oh, this is this is bad news, and it just got it got worse and worse. Mm. Um, I left at twenty seven nil. By the time I'd walked home, you know, obviously we'd started to come back, but I mean, we were never in that game. Any, you know, and it's it's almost a carbon copy of the last time that we played the Packers in <laughs> the playoffs, where no, that you know, well, yeah, but still. The, the Packers went out. The Packers went out to a lead. Dak brought them back, and okay. you know, if there'd been another quarter to play, yeah, maybe we would have had a chance in this game. I don't know, but um, 
the defence was uncharacteristic, whether it's the, if you put credence into what Isaiah Sandback said about um, the whole Stephon Gilmore not being able to play man coverage and press coverage because of his, his shoulder, um, you know, but to, go, to suddenly go to something like 75% zone defence, you know, and not trust the fact that Nashawn Wright could probably do a better job in man defence, you know, um, it's it's a bit concerning from that side of things. Paul, where do I begin? Wherever you like. It's a fan rant. Well, after we watching the game, what went yes. wrong and stuff like that. There was a lot of few plays where McCarthy did get a lot wrong. Like agree. Where he could have run post routes, he could have ran slants where the middle of the field was wide open. Why was that not picked up? But defensively, I'm absolutely fuming with Dan Quinn. Absolutely fuming with him. I'd, maybe it's just me, but I kind of feel as though he threw away that game away. He really did. And <laughs> with the knock on effect of Dan Quinn, it put pressure on our offense to yeah. start overcompensate. And that's what led to mistakes. And, yeah, um, the way I'm seeing it right now, Dan Quinn's already got his feet out of the building right now. And I'm already, as of right now, I'm looking at who could potentially be replacements. I have guys I I, I wouldn't mind seeing in Dallas, but it's not names that uh, it's been mentioned in the media. So I'd rather have someone else in. It's not... A Stephen Jones person that's one of their guys. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I would want someone that's coming in with a whole new fresh perspective. Is going to bring a little bit of attitude towards this defense and not to slack off and actually drill them when they make mistakes and tell players to start start getting off podcasts and making all this talk and actually make actions speak louder than words. And I'm saying that to you, Michael Parsons. In particular. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, I said that on another show this week. I said that very thing. That that you know the social media thing should take a side swipe while you concentrate on other things. If you're a professional thought- athlete, like you like you, you actually are seeing that with Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey right now. Since they started doing new uh, new heights, mm. don't get me wrong, they're still great players, but you are seeing a dip in their production. And it's yep. Like you could say, oh, it's Taylor Swift as well. Yeah, that's an art distraction. And I, you know, I, I'm not saying right that these guys aren't human beings; that they should have other passions and they should have other hobbies outside of what they do. But that's the same as us. But like, um, if say we had a hobby and it was affecting your work, your boss would be like, "Guy, you know, like, listen, slow it down." Absolutely, because we'll, 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 we'll look at history, right? And uh, before, before I finish off, I'll let Rich jump in about his two cents. But let's think yes. about it, right? Jalen Smith had his sunglasses company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to yeah. knock on effect in his performances, right? Yeah. You try to think of all the other players that had little side businesses and stuff like that, or side hustles and that. Boss Man Fat wanted to be a rapper. Look mm-hmm. what happened. Right? Then you saw, like, in the final year, Cole Beasley, his production went right down. Like he was on, like 
don't give her a bit. When he went to Buffalo, he took it took a haul on his rap and just to be focused back in football. And look what he did in Buffalo. He actually had his best years in Buffalo than he did in the whole of Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it, it's when you're trying to do stuff on the side, it's going to knock on your main income massively. Yeah. So, if you're trying to do a wee podcast side there and there, fair play, but. Don't expect teams to make you be the superstar. Like I think teams should need be more in a stricter stance when it comes to that. Because end of the day, that is your day job. If that mm. if, if stuff on the side are actually affecting your day job, then get the hell out. I agree. I think the other thing as well, it, just before Rich jumps in, is you know the releasing of the All Pro teams, the Pro Bowl teams, all that sort of stuff is done too early. I mean. You know, you could, you could, you know, the Cowboys could have looked at that and said, right, we've got nine all-pro players over two teams. Packers mm-hmm. had absolutely nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we should win this. And, you know, all, all last week, I mean, all seven, uh, there was, what, seven uh, predictors on the, the Fox podcast or whatever, and they all said, um, you know, that the Cowboys should win this easily and all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, players buy into that and then actually forget that, you know, you actually need to go and play this game. The You know, there's a professional pride that the Packers have as well. And, yeah, they're, they're young and all this sort of stuff. But, that you know, that's the only difference is that they're still hungry for the, the victory as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Rich? And then we're going to so... get into... We, as soon as you give yours, we got... Quite a few rants to get into. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm gonna be very quick with it. The you go. Um, you go. past couple of years, I went. Well, I went back and I looked at who <clears throat> who we played, um, specifically who we've lost to in the playoffs since '95. Um, and there's a bit of a mix for the first sort of two decades. But the past couple of years now, um, there's a definite pattern here. So you got the loss against Green Bay, San Francisco, San Francisco. So that's the last three years. Prior to that, you got the Rams. Prior to that, it's Green Bay. Prior to that, it's Green Bay. Yeah. Um, is anyone noticing a pattern? <laughs> the majority of all these coaches are actually under the same lineage. It's all teams that Dan Quinn has actually played and lost to as the Atlanta Falcons. Yep. That's your, that's your link. There's a couple that, of things there, one of which is that. The other thing is the Cowboys have lost to these teams. Different teams, don't forget. They have the same name. Bear in mind, they are different teams. They are different head coaches. They are different players. They are different coordinators. They are different position coaches. And on the Cowboys side as well, there are games there that have been lost under Mike McCarthy and games there that have been lost under Jason Garrett. And all the myriad different instances of staff and players. The only thing you can really come to after looking at that, is saying with all those different variables, there is some sort of mental block or mental issue 
that Dallas inherently has. Outside of, and it doesn't seem to matter who you bring in the building. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who the players are. doesn't matter who the coordinators are. doesn't matter who your position coaches are. That still seems to be the case. So how do you change that? How do you, how does changing and getting another head coach in here change that? How does changing the offensive or defensive coordinator or all of it change it? Change, change the whole roster, change all the coaching staff, change absolutely everything from Will McClay down effectively. Does anything change? Because history shows you no. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I believe it ties into, in large part, along what Paul was saying, there are too many distractions. It's strange how the Dallas Cowboys specifically, a team who is used to being so in the spotlight, used to being playing so often under those bright lights, is the team that withers under those lights the most. It doesn't make sense. I I, I say it does. We 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 talked we talking about this with RJ um, a couple of nights ago, and he said, "What what is the the common problem, the common denominator?" And you know, some people will say daft things like, "Oh, Jerry," and all the rest of it. And I, I disagree with that completely. Yeah, okay, he's been there during the problems, but he's not the problem because Jerry isn't <coughs> out there calling plays. He's not on the field making plays. All he's doing is. He's going out there, grabbing the guys he thinks is best for the job. In terms of coaching, like, say, Mike McCarthy, he didn't even make that choice. It was Stephen Jones. So he just puts the people in the right place, in the right position to go and succeed. The biggest problem is, and and, and there's two parts to this, is it's pressure. And it's something that is built up before Dak Prescott and before Mike Mark, Mike McCarthy's time. Uh, and this is what, what I truly believe, is that there is now something that has snowballed, and it's snowballed to become this giant King Kong-sized monkey that's on everybody's back in the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it, it's in, in some ways, it's two parts. In the first part, they, they seemingly do well in the regular season and fail in the playoffs. Because the pressure builds up so much that, oh, we're back in the playoffs. And it falls apart because they have that giant monkey over this shoulder. The other part of it is what I like to call the Cowboys Bowl, which is whichever team we play against, they know two things. They are going to be the most, it's going to be the most watched game that week. So if they perform, millions of people, more people who are watching this game, which happened in the wildcard game, 43 million people tuned into the wildcard game against Cowboys in Green Bay. Only 20 tuned into the Kansas game, right? Who's a Super Bowl? <laughs> They're like Super Bowl bound more yeah. than the Cowboys were. But more people watch that. So the, the opposition wants to play more so because they know that they're, they're going to be watched more. Also, they are the most scrutinized team in the media. 
So if the, say, Green Bay beat the Dallas Cowboys like they did, they know that it's going to be all over the media. They're going to be talked about more. That's the Cowboys' ball. That's why the opposition brings their A game against the Cowboys. And it's something that has just built up over time. And like I say, before Mike McCarthy and Dak's time, which it, it kind of makes it unfair on these guys because they're now at this end, the tail end of the problem of Cowboys can't win in the playoffs. Look, it's been X amount of years. Yeah, before these guys' time. And like, yeah, okay, they, they're still in this mix. But it's because this monkey has been building up and building up and building up. And that's where we are now. And I was saying this to Lorne. What it will take is for the Cowboys to make it to the playoffs. Getting a first round bye doesn't mm-hmm. help them at all. But you get to them to a wild card game, and what's going to happen is they're going to win a wild card game. And then that gives them a little booster. They go into a divisional game and they win that game and make it to the NFC Championship. I guarantee you that when that happens, the snowball effect goes the other way because now they've shaken that monkey off and the pressure's off them. It goes the opposite way. It sounds weird, but that's how it would work with them. And I think that's the true problem right now is that it's not Jerry's fault. It's not the coach's fault. It's not the play. It's the monkey. Uh, in some way, I agree, but I disagree with you, Mike. Because yeah, what's the what's the one thing we don't actually have? We don't have a general manager on the field along with the head coaches to analyze our personnel of staff in terms of the, <clears throat> of, of the players. Will like need is what I would say. And need Jerry's not on the field looking at his players saying. Hmm, we are looking a bit thin at linebacker. We should get a linebacker in. Hmm, we're looking a bit thin at offensive line. We're not, we didn't bring an offensive lineman in. We don't have someone to actually oversee while Mike McCarthy is coaching to look at the players that we've got while things are going on. J- Jerry is dubbed as a general manager. He's far from that. He's not. Like, as much as I like, I like Jerry Jones and stuff like that, but... We do need an actual general manager to help assist the coaches a lot more hands-on. We're not getting that right now. But is Will Will McLean not doing that? Because that's That's what Will Will McLean is at practice every day. Will McLean is watching this. He's the one that then goes out. The only way Jerry actually gets involved is when the contract negotiations are going on and it's Mm -hmm. him and Steven sitting there working things out. It is it is still well going out and trying to find, but obviously we try because we pay all of our guys, and you know there is an element of the we like our guys is is a bad approach to this, but because we like our guys and we pay our guys and invariably we pay them at the last possible second, so you then you know they have superstar seasons and then go right okay you know the 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 free agent markets saying that i'm worth 80 million you've got to pay me 80 million or pay me 79 million to stay they get 79 million and then they tail off a little bit there is that but then that doesn't leave you too a lot for the remainder of the season and yeah. especially, it's not, you know, the difference between the Tom Landry era, the Jimmy Johnson era, is free agency and the salary cap. And you mm. can't just go out and, you know, write blank checks, left, right and centre, yeah. and bring guys in, build the team mm-hmm. up over three or four seasons. And what you've got to remember is, 
would you rather have a Jason Garrett type team where you're up one year, down the next year, you're you're middling, or would you rather go to the playoffs every single year, which we have done under Mike McCarthy? That's that, yeah. Fair enough. We've you know we've crashed out in fairly great style the last couple of years. You, you could say that you know in San Francisco handed it to us last uh, two years ago. Last year was a bit closer, albeit you know as soon as Tony Pollard went down, all hopes went with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the more you're in the playoffs, the more experience you're getting, the better you're going to get. But you're still you're turning over the teams twenty percent, twenty five percent a year. Where Landry, you were because there wasn't free agency. Landry was building players and players, building mm-hmm. their experience until they were on the field and ready to hit the ground running. They still had eight, nine, ten years where they got to the playoffs. There was. Um, you know, unscheduled knockouts. They, they lost to Green Bay twice. They lost to Cleveland in the old division style before Cleveland moved across to the AS, AFC. Uh, lost to Baltimore as well again before they moved to AFC. Um, you know, and you pro- you had problems there. Jimmy had guys coming in left, right, and centre. You can't do that nowadays. Um, it's I think you need. I think you just need to build on this each year and each year, and at some point the dominoes, the the dam's going to break. And now, yeah, that's you, you're you're you, what Jimmy's uh, what Jerry's now having the problem with is getting the fans to buy in next year by saying, oh well, we're going with the same people, all this sort of stuff. But you know there is there is going to have to be some sort of turnover. I think again this year. I think there needs to be a few changes with within some of the position coaches. Obviously, we've seen the offensive line take fall down this year. What I'd like to do is maybe bring in an offensive line coach. If we can pinch, if not from San Francisco, try and pinch somebody who el- who is a former San Francisco or <laughs> either Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan yeah. a tree so that you've got the understanding because Mike Shanahan started the whole thing with getting free agent running backs to run for a thousand yards um, and it was mostly Speed. because of the offensive line blocking mm. uh, more than anything else we had two pro bowl, two pro bowlers in that offensive line three um, three all pros on that offensive line and yet you know we were only something like what was it the the fifth best in the NFC for rushing this year Um you know, and t- tenth out of all all playoff teams. Um, you know, that's that that made our offense one sided. The offense isn't capable of. You know, again, it it's designed to get a lead straight away. If you're trying to catch catch up, it's not designed for that. Um, Which is weird to say. You know, when people say that, when Dak has the most passing touchdowns for the year. Yeah, you know it's very odd why why that happens. But all right, here we go, right, guys. Let's get into some of these guys' fan rants, and I'm going to start from the top and work my way down, and you just give me your guys' takes because they are the MVPs of UK Cowboys is controlling today's show. So here's one from Volante. Um, I would sign Derek Henry. I say no. 
Uh, move Micah Parsons to run stopping lines or off ball linebacker. No. Um, draft another lineman to replace Tyrant. Now you're talking. And get another linebacker in a draft. Now, those last two I agree with. What's your guys' takes on this rant? I would get a defensive end and put Parsons back at linebacker. You have a way mm. about it, but everything else I totally agree with. Mm. Like, I would bring, like, a guy like Derek Henry. We can't afford Henry. We can't afford Derek Henry. And I think Derek, I think De- I think Derek Henry I think Derek Henry's on the downside of his Definitely. um Yeah, but I still don't think we can afford career. I still don't think we can afford him when you think about it. You've got Dax contract right now, which is what sixty million against the cap. He's yep. gonna get extended, then you need to figure out what's gonna happen with Parsons, what's gonna happen with um such and such. So um yeah, I don't see Henry happening. As much as I would love that to happen, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a big study running back somewhere in this draft that can be that power back, running by that's running back by committee. Because let's be honest, Parler, Tony Pollard is pretty much out the door, I think, despite being in a thousand yard rusher. To me, he's not justified the price tag, if I'm being perfectly honest. So mm-hmm. we will need to stack up and running back at some point in this draft. Yeah, I mean, thousand yard, thousand yard rusher has now been watered down by the fact that we've got seventeen games. You you only have to get something like sixty eight yards a game, and and you're a thousand yard rusher. Um, from that point of view, but you know, obviously we we haven't seen splash plays from the from the ground game that we had in previous years. Um. And then that just forces it that you've you've got to try and hit your wide receivers, try and get the big plays out of them, and then that puts pre- that puts pressure on um, Dak. And you know, in big games like this, teams know that, and they just you know again it seems to be the the same sort of thing that you know they drop off in coverage, they don't necessarily get the the pressure in, it's clogging cover. And you know whether it's it's a sort of mental block for Dak, I don't know. But there's 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 something that you know Dak's having difficulty about these similar styles of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, now the 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 one positive for Dak is that um, you know look at the great Peyton Manning that everybody talks about. His first. The final breakthrough to get into the Super Bowl was not until year nine. Now, yeah. admittedly, he was going up against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game year in, year out. But still, you know, he had MVP years and he was failing in the playoffs and not getting to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so there is an element of that that, um, you know, Dak, Dak is still at least getting to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And getting the experience, he's still just and it again. It can just be something a little bit of luck and going our way, and then it um, the dam breaks. I tell you, and a big reason why I think it does. When we talk, when I say about the pressure, you just look at even in regular season where the Cowboys were the favourites to win, where they were not the underdogs. They lost, like Arizona. It's because. 
the pressure isn't is it's when the pressure is on them the most, and that's a good example. When they're the underdog, they come out with their backs up against the wall, and they're like an angry wasp coming out to to just go out and and they do. And they're the weird games because you're like, oh god, they're they're not the favourites, and they're playing on the road yet. And all of a sudden, they'll go out there, and the game will be over at half time. And you just like if that's the case, then mate, then we should have lost to New York. No, I yeah. <laughs> should have won yeah. against Bills. Should have won yeah. against Miami. Exactly. Yeah. They rode they So that kind of defeats that. Ar- Sorry, mate, but it kind of defeats that argument. No, 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 I'm just saying. I'm I'm just making a point of the the fact that they struggle when they're under pressure, which is why they struggle when they get to the playoffs. This this is the weird thing, though, and this has always been the thing for me with Dak has been his very first year. He went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs and came that close. He he wasn't phased one bit. There was no semblance of being affected by how big that game was, how big it was for Dallas, how big it was for him. None of it. Didn't matter at all. The only thing that happened was wide receivers let him down. That was it. Mm. But what got them there was a strong offensive line and a strong run game. That's what got them there. I've said since then, Dak is one of those people and he's shown a propensity to be less of that this year, but also at the same time has proved you right. He's one of those quarterbacks that needs a certain level of support and he hasn't been getting it. Simple as. But he's still been making the playoffs. Helping this team make the playoffs. Year on year. Here we go. Here's one for uh, one for Paul that's coming in. Beef up the O-line. That'll sort the running game out. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll sort everything out. This is the other thing. You, I can still see in my head <clears throat> going back I can't remember exactly what game it was, but it was towards the end of the season. Um, I think they were about to or just about to wrap up the one seed. And they were just so ridiculously dominant. They ran through everyone that season. Their red zone conversion rate was ridiculous. And I remember watching the game and they had a clock on there from when the ball was snapped and how long Dak had to throw the ball. And it was like nine seconds. Like, if you have nine seconds, someone is going to work open. They just could not get to him. It was an absolute wall. You're going to have success when you do that. That's why their rate, one of the reasons why their conversion rate was so high. That's one of the reasons why Dak was so good as a rookie. But it's been left to deteriorate since then. And it's part of the reason why, why we're in this situation. It's in not fair, been addressed yeah. properly. In fairness, to, in fairness to your argument there, Rich, and I totally agree with you, like even that game just there, the wide receivers have much to blame in that first half in particular. CD Lamb. Yeah. Lam. In particular, CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. Like, Something was off there. Oh, aye. I don't know what it is. No. Can't understand why he would be off because he was on the all-time high. His confidence should have been sky high. He should have been absolutely out there to be in a in dog mentality. He should have been absolutely stolen. But he was getting caught out. 
like and the physical res- it's body language as well paul uh, yes his body language was Look, off after the first series you see him going off dax join at him makes a couple of drops. okay fine any other game fine it's happened it's not been not been his night he's not worked into it yet okay we'll go somewhere else we'll do something else never seen that before i've never seen mike mccarthy over talking to him when his head's down between his knees more or less and he's going out the next series making more drops you can see he's it looks and i'm not saying it was it looked like he was half arsing it like he wasn't maximum effort and after it he's just like just so frustrated and the body language like you said mike was just completely off the entire time there was three people technically a few more but three skill players who played well that night out of the entire team one of them was michael gallup <laughs> i was just about to say michael, that. Gallup. Michael, michael gallup showed up he showed up when it really needed when he really needed to and dak through it him he made pretty much nearly made 100 percent of his catches i believe he, did. he was six for six michael was, gallup yeah. Ferguson. Tony Pollard slashed the O-line because for a few plays, they got it going. 11-yard run, first down. Yeah. Next one, 10-yard run, first down. Seven-yard run. We haven't seen that for a while, and that's what you should have been having the entire night because on paper, this is where they got drawn away from. On paper, this is a terrible run defense. Terrible. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fifth yep. worst in the league. Mm-hmm. Cowboys are at bang just just better than bang average at 17. And and the, the, the Packers uh third down defense against the run was one of the worst in the league. It they could have just kept running running at them. Ridiculous. Absolutely <clears throat> ridiculous. And watch watch the 49ers. The 49ers will do that. 49ers will do that, and they they should annihilate them. But even looking at other games, you look at the week before, Washington went out, got a touchdown on us, and went, this is going to go one of two ways. If they answer it straight away, okay, we're in the game, they can pull away, and that's exactly what happened. Or they're going to get behind, like what happened in Green Bay. That's the the trigger there, and I can't understand how and why it happened, really. Like you yeah. said, the body language, everyone was off. It was like a trap game mentality. It was just ridiculous. Like, you can understand maybe not being as prepared, strangely enough, for the running game to a degree. I'm so glad. I'm so else, no. And I'm, the amount that the ball was getting thrown at you? No. Everything yeah, the, else was just The run off. defense was on play calling. Poor, poor play calling. Oh, that was just... Rich, I, I'm so... Bad. I'm. Rich, I'm so glad that you mentioned unprepared. If there's one thing that really, really annoyed me with Mike McCarthy's comments, he says, like, we didn't pre- prepare enough. Pretty much. It's the playoffs. And that's inexcusable. You're in the playoffs. You yep. know the trope you have that you've earned as a team, whether you like it or not, you can stand up there and say, 
this doesn't affect us. This is everything in history. Bollocks. Just to add to that, though. The latest iteration of this team, you carry that baggage. If you can, teams can stand up there, your players can stand up there and say, we are carrying the torch. We know what's expected of us. One minute from those five wins all those years ago, you bet you can carry all the losses that have come in the postseason as well. And you better had, and you better prepare properly. Because you are supposed to know, after having gone to the Super Bowl as a coach, that you have to prepare properly. It's in Just, just, Just to add to that, Mike McCarthy's had plenty of experience against these type of players. LaFleur, Shanahan, etc., etc., all under that same tree. He's experienced that. And Dan Quinn, I may mm. add. In mm. particular, Dan Quinn, mm. who's had plenty of experience trying to f- figure out this Rubik's Cube of this type of offense he should be dealing with and still haven't solved it for over these amount of years, seasons, games, etc., and still can't do it. I'm sorry, but it's just not good enough. Agree. Like, I, I mean, we got a question here, and um, we'll go through it in a moment. A few things about who takes over as defensive coordinator could actually still be Dan Quinn. Uh, from the comments, I don't want him. I'm no, sorry, I'm... but I don't want him. Don't want him. So, uh, one of the the statements I've made is. Dan Quinn, what we're seeing with the Cowboys with the regular season, the postseason, is actually <laughs> it's actually something that has happened quite often in Dan Quinn's career. That you know, I mean, his defenses in the playoff fall off. I mean, look at the best example is the Falcons versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but he was the head coach, not the DC. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but you know what I mean. Of, of him coaching in the playoffs, I know there was the whole Seattle run and what have you. But there's a history uh, that has happened with him where he, he struggled. And, I mean, it's just a crazy place to be. And I think what Dan Quinn was hoping on was that when you look at the defence, the Cowboys' defence, in the last sort of three weeks, it wasn't getting much pressure. It wasn't getting much sacks. And it wasn't getting many turnovers. And the reason I think the run defence failed is because he was in dime for 48 of the 54 off plays from the Packers. So you just you are going to run on that. And that's why Aaron Jones had 5.6 yards per carry and three touchdowns, because uh, he had six safeties on the field. But I think what Dan Quinn was hoping for, what the idea was, was to drop six, and hopefully he will see uh, Jordan Love throwing the ball and a pick six or an interception is going to go the other way, and that swings the momentum. And I think that's why, as well, Dan Quinn kept holding on throughout the entire game, playing six safeties or more. Sometimes there were seven that he was playing on the field, and that's what he was doing, is he was hoping to drop back, drop into deep zone, and try and return the ball the other way off, off an interception. And that would be what would swing the momentum. You would think, Mike, he would have learned his lesson by now against these type of tree of offences over the course yeah. of the years. It does not simply work. It doesn't. Motion again, Paul. Me and you spoke about it. He struggles against teams that use motion. Like, it's... I know a few people say, yeah, well, we need to keep Dan Quinn, etc., etc., but I'm sorry, but if Dan Quinn was to go... And if Micah Parsons is actually true to his word, 
and says, I'll go where DQ goes. Off you go, mate. Off you go. Give yeah. us a lot of draft picks. Save us a whole load of salary cap issues. On you go. Because, mm. frankly, the attitude is freaking stinking. No, I don't want Barkley from the Giants. No. No, no. Too Not many, a power back. Too many injuries. And at, at the moment, I see Joe saying there, haven't you heard the Dan Quinn saying in Dallas? The, the reports at the moment is that he likely comes back if he doesn't mm-hmm. get offered the job. I think if he gets offered the job this year, you only have to look at Kellen Moore and how his stock's gone down by going off to San Diego, eh, sorry, Los Angeles, Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I always do that. I don't know why. But, you, you know, Dan, Dan Quinn's must be saying right now that, you know, if he's got any hope of getting a, a, a head coaching job, this is the year to do it before another year of this sort of situation happens again where, you know, the 49ers tear in us or something like that. Um, <clears throat> so this is the year he has to, he has to go away. If not, he needs to come back and ha- he needs to come back and again retool this defense. You know, this is a different defense to the Legion of Boom that we saw at Seattle. Um, you know, and there is an element. Mike is saying that he wants to be a defensive end because the money. You know, it's like um, Shaq, Shaq Barrett. Mm. You know, when he petitioned the league that he was a defensive end, not a linebacker. And he wanted to be paid yeah. as a defensive end. That's the whole for reason. Kyle Pitts. Micah, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole reason why Micah doesn't want to be an off-the-ball linebacker. And Micah Parsons probably would be game changing. Still, would be game changing as an off-the-ball linebacker for this defense as well. Mm. But he prefers to be that in-your-face guy. Get the pressures. Complain about the fact that he's not getting he's not getting holding penalties. Mm. Um, you know, but it's it's. You know, if if Dan Quinn comes back, you know, there still needs to be questions about this defense. And to me, if there's a simple fix to fix Dan Quinn's defense, is stick to what you're best at. Don't change your game plan to suit their offense. Don't Hmm. put six safeties in. Stick to what has actually been working for you for, for the whole season and stick with it. Don't change from man coverage to zone coverage just because that, to me, is still still annoys the living crap out of me. It really Doesn't does. Make any sense. Makes but no the, sense whatsoever. And if Dan Quinn would have a set of balls and actually just stuck to his guns, we would have actually been more comfortable and more competitive in that whole game. It's it's. Yep the simplest of things and it's the mm. simplest mistakes like that it's going to cost you your job it's true and and the, the question is it, okay there is going to be a drop off between Stephon Gilmore and Nishon Wright but are you saying that you do, you have no faith in Nishon Wright what the hell is he doing on your roster then yeah because you know it, it, you're talking about guys that are falling. You know, there is always going to be turnover during the season because of injury and all that. We've, we lost Trayvon Diggs. You know, that then brought the Ron Bland up, the Ron Bland set up. You've got Eric Scott. You've got um, you've got Nashawn Wright. You've got Noah Egg-Benegany, who's now a free agent. Um, right. You know, all of these guys, are you saying that a 75% Stephen Gilmer is playing zone coverage is 
better than playing man coverage with one of these three guys at 100%. In which case, why are they on the field? And the whole thing about Dan Quinn as well, when he was brought in, the 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 plus about him was that, you know, when he was coaching it, wherever he's been coaching, he would take these young guys, spend an extra 10, 15 minutes of them after practice, working on drills that would improve them so that when it was the next man up, they were better than they were at the start of the season. We're not seeing that. Why are we not seeing that? Now, yes, you can say that all the the CBA stuff that's been signed in, in recent years, probably since Dan Quinn was coaching, you know, has tailed off the amount of time that you can practice, tailed off these extracurricular practices as well. Um, but, you know, and we're not, you know, there are teams that are learning to make the most of this shortened practice time. We're obviously still stuck. You know, we're, we've got all these analytics for game situations, but we don't seem to have analytics to, to get the, be- the best out of practice. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, just to kind of go back, I'm just seeing a couple of comments about like of Parsons and stuff like that. Um, like his comment about him. It depends what's offer. What's an offer? It really depends. Money, money talks. Draft picks talk. But either way, I think the point I'm trying to make is is. When we drafted Micah Parsons, he wasn't our first priority. Let's remember yep. that. It was a cornerback. Cornerback was our first priority. It was uh, Satan or it was the other, other kid, uh, J.C. Horn. J.C. Horn, yep. it was It was one of the two we wanted, right? And Micah Parsons was just, <laughs> by potluck, we got him. Let's be honest. The Eagles could have picked him up. Let's be honest. Yeah, right? we traded down, yeah. Yeah, we traded down, right? But, but the Eagles did get a wide receiver. They got Devontae Smith. Going before the draft, Michael Parsons is like, yeah, Dallas needs me. They need a linebacker, which is true. For now, he wants to be a defensive end. Mm-hmm. And that now weakens the position of the stuff that we actually now need again. Linebacker. I'm yeah. sorry, but we drafted you as a linebacker and you want to be paid as a defensive end. I'm sorry, but no. I'm, 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 he's a linebacker in Penn State, Paul. I know. I'm. 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 I might be sounding. I'm being an absolute C U N T on this matter. You've been right. You've been right. I agree but with you, mate. It's like we drafted you to be a linebacker, right? And you're a great linebacker, right? You're off ball. You can run side to side. Like, if you become fully defensive end, it's now going to leave the gaping hole within the middle of that, like, uh, of that, uh, of the of the field, essentially, especially when it comes to the run game. Mm-hmm. So that's my issue with Michael Parsons right now, and it's all about the door, yeah. right? And, and and he is right in that matter. Linebackers don't get paid as enough as defensive ends do. But remember why we why we drafted you, Michael? We wanted you to be a linebacker. But here's uh, one now. Here's one. Is, bro, if Michael oh. if Michael Parsons was all pro at linebacker or all world, or whatever you want to say, he yeah. could still go in and dictate the money for that linebacker position as well. Exactly. And, you know, and the ability to, to play two, three, four positions as well, 
that just adds to his arsenal and adds to his his demands. He can reset but, the market, loan. He can reset the yeah. market based on his yep. accolades. Like, yep. But trying to base it on a defensive end's accolades is a bit... Mm, yeah. Because he has the ability to do it, but he's not willing to do it. And it seems to be the same scenario when he's on his doing his wee podcast saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But he don't do it. He, don't, mm-hmm. he didn't do it. That's what annoys me. The problem yeah, yeah. here is this this is this is the same as what Paul was saying earlier, and I completely agree with it with the whole basically all the extracurricular stuff. All the, the hot boy stuff, the sunglasses, the podcasts. That's all well and good. And it's the same sort of thing with personally with the direction that players have taken it. Because let's be frank, players have gone down the route of we want to play and practice less. You want us to play more and have more games to make you more money. Okay, well, we want to practice less and have more money on it. And we want to have more of a share of everything else. And we want to be able to do this and do that. And everyone started doing their own, mm-hmm. yeah, doing their extracurricular thing. Which to a point, yeah, I can get behind it. As long as it doesn't distract you from the main goal. Problem is, that seems to be happening. That happened massively, I think, with the whole Hot Boys thing against the Rams. They went in, riding this wave, and were completely flat, completely and utterly pathetic. This is the most pathetic performance since the Rams. This is more, but it's the worst one since, in my opinion, especially for the Dallas defense. And not to mention that whole not, thing not... of coming in and you don't want to play football. Which is what you're sure to do. You you are happy to come in and play well enough to get yourself a good deal, be it here, be it elsewhere, to maximize your money to say, I'm not a linebacker, I'm a defensive end. To maximize what you get. That's what you care about. You don't care that much, seemingly, about making the playoffs. You don't care that much, seemingly, about winning a championship. You don't care that much, seemingly, about winning the Super Bowl. What you care about is taking care of yourself financially, which I can understand. But you need to ask yourself, or the coaches need to be asking the questions. They need to be standing there and saying, okay, guys, this year, own, I only want people here if they want to play football and you want to win a Super Bowl. If you don't want to do that and you're not willing to do whatever it takes, play where we tell you and not bitch and moan about it and put in maximum effort every snap just leave. Just go. I'll find someone else who will. You either take it, t- take the deal we give you for now and go. Have You You want to make money? Have the wherewithal to understand that winning a Super Bowl and having that eternal glory will bring you money further down the line and keep bringing you money throughout your entire yeah. the rest of your life. Absolutely you will be known rich. As Facts. Especially when you are the next Cowboys team to win a Super Bowl after that long. That team will get more than any other Cowboys team to win a Super Bowl afterwards because of the big drought. Yeah, I want to see what happens. With the, I mean, that's a fair point. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. Because, you know, but, but, there's, there's well, overshown. There's right. a linebacker situation, Paul. Yep. I know, but, but before 
I'm moving to that. I just want to quickly mention is like you, uh, Rich mentioned the likes of the Rams. That was against the Rams team that played their second string running back and ran a mark mock on us. So yep. that's why I've got to say on that. But I agree that game was actually worse than the Rams game. But anyway, but yes, to Tim's point, yeah, that's a really interesting point. But is overshone going to be enough? I don't think so. Is just having Diggs back? I don't think so. I think we still need to add up more. And uh, we need a running back. Yeah. I, need more again, than a running back. We need more than, more than a running back. Absolutely. We need running back, offensive line, linebacker. That's the top three positions that we need right now. And potentially another wide receiver, depending on what we're, we are going to do, potentially with Michael Gallup, really. Because that his contract is gonna be like hitting us at some point for for a guy that's on the fringes, pretty much. Why keep him on board? Even though, yeah, he was the most standout guy in that playoff game from terms of our wide receivers. Yeah, that might bring a bit more value if we were, were to trade uh, someone was to trade for him. Great, but yeah. keeping him on board just to be. Like there for situational stuff is not enough. He should be our number two wide receiver, with based on what, how he's getting paid right now, and it's not enough. And I just saw Graham's comment about the eleven players on defense. Um, it's, true. So it's not. It's not just Michael. Where was D'Law? D'Law was probably our, like I'm sorry, but but from watching the television, D'Law was probably one of our best players in terms of stopping the yeah. run. I think personally, like he was the one that was making the most tackles for losses and stuff like that. The problem was was the inside gap. Because our linebackers decide to uh, av- not avoid to disengage from their assignment. Like in particular, Damone Clark. When you yep. watch the video of Damone Clark, he had the uh, so if you're on the offense, you're on the right hand side. So he would have been hitting that A gap. For some reason, he goes to the other A gap where it's already been fulfilled, and that leaves the doors open for Aaron Jones to get those big, long yards. Like, we saw that in at least seven instances in that game, at least seven. The the one thing I would say about that, that is something that the Shanahan tree has always done, is mm. that it sets up a backside hole so that it makes, it makes the linebackers think the play's flowing one way. They go to fill that hole... And then the cut it it's, leaves it's the a cup lot back, of misdirection. And that, that Regar- is... regardless though, Lauren, you shouldn't we should know is that you should never go away. It's, it's the whole Bill Belichick. It's a do your job. You have your assignment. Yeah. That is your gap. You hit your gap regardless, just in case. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. To to bring it back to earlier on, and I completely agree with you, Lauren. hundred percent. It's so yeah. accurate. And completely agree with that. This comment. They should be. They've lost twice in the playoffs now in the three last previous games to San Francisco. They should know by now what they are going to do. They should be adjusting to it and planning for it and scheming it. They don't do it. Or they seem unable to. To maybe be more accurate. It's a problem. It's a big, big, big problem. I mean, the, the other thing to say as well, you mm. know, to, to show how successful a Shanahan offense is, Christian McCaffrey was a great player at Carolina, 
but he has taken a step up since going to that 49ers offense because of oh, the yeah. offensive, because of the, the 100%, game plan there. 100% Lauren. You know, and that just goes to show that the Shanahan style of, of offensive line play is something that should be taken on in this league. And not, not, and, not, not to mention as well, or not to mention as well, they got to the uh, they got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G, and yep. they almost made it with Brock Purdy. Let's not remember that. Yep. And they could do that again this year. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what quarterback they put into this system, they, they could put in bloody um, Brandon Whedon of all people and still get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> but you, get, but you, you know what I mean? You, it's true you they're gotta, not quarterback reliant. You've you've got to look as well that you know Houston are Houston are playing a similar style of offense as are. Um, Green mm. Bay, both of their quarterbacks finished with 157.2 quarterback rating last week. Now, Jordan Love was 158.3 until he came back in because we came within 16 points. He came back in for the last series and threw an incomplete pass, which knocked him down 0.5. Um, but, you know, that just goes to show that, you know, any QB could probably step into the reins of that offense and be successful yeah. in it. I, I completely agree. And to, to add to your point, you haven't even got to to look at San Francisco. This is the maddening thing. You haven't got to look at another team and see what happened. All you've got to do is, let's, let's have fun with it. Let's turn the clock back a decade. And I'll ask you the question. What is it about this Cowboys offense? Is it the offensive line or is it DeMarco Murray? Offensive line. Offensively, but that was the question: Is it is it the running back? Does the running back make the line, or does the line make the running back? That was swirling around ridiculously for uh, weeks uh, and weeks it, and it weeks, even over well the be, year. It should it's always well be the question. It should always be the question. It should always be offensively, and they're the ones that are open in the doors. Yes, yeah. we all know everything starts. Yeah. In the trenches, which is why they apparently said they tried two years ago to bring it back to the trenches to sort out the offensive line and the defensive line with very, very little overall effort, in my opinion. It takes more than one, one, and it takes more than one season to do it. Exactly that, because that's how you did it the first time around. That's why you went and set the trend in 2014. Then you went and got Zeke in 2016. Lo and behold, I mean, I was going to say it takes more than one player per draft to make that difference. It needs to be a collection of players to contribute to make that difference. Doesn't matter, like, like, yeah, maybe one year, two year. Yeah, I, I agree in that, but you can't expect one single player from a a drafted linebacker to become a defensive end to change the whole outcome of this defensive line. And you can't expect Tyler Smith to reinvigorate the whole offensive line. That's just not how it works. It needs yep. to be a whole collective. Yep. Yep. And yeah. the, the offensive line, completely agree from earlier on, offensive line coach needs to change. They've played down this year compared to what they were last year. The change in running back situation has played a part because of that dynamic. And I said it at the start of the season, and I'll say it now at the end of the season, they let Zeke go too early. I understand the reasons that everyone was happy to see him go, understand the money. Sorry, everyone, no. I, I, I disagree. They let him go too soon. Exhibit A, 2023 season. Mm. They wouldn't, they would never, ever 
from letting Zeke go going to use Tony Pollard properly? Because they couldn't. Tony Pollard is literally an outside run or a screen pass type of running back. That's his best. He's never going to be the the hammer to be the inside run. He's not that type of running back. Nope. So, Which is what you need. And, that, and that's how he's been. Yep. Because he's on that um, franchise tag, we're trying to see what other ways we can use him. But you don't experiment with a player when you already know what his traits are. I'm sorry. You don't. It's like yeah, you had a year, there's a reason right? why we've got Rico Dowdo in the squad. There's a reason why he's supposed to be the guide for the inside runs. Make them desi- like maybe a big giveaway, yeah, to the defense. Okay, or or they're running. They've got Rico Dowdo, and yeah, well, he's going to run inside. But sometimes but you need that. Sometimes you need though. that, though, Paul. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to just be like, yeah. look, we're coming straight at you. We are going to hit you. Get your linebackers in there. And let's see if we can have physical. It's a whole, not just the physicality and the taking the stamina out of them, the mentality as well. But, you know, one of the things we had a comment here about Steele's decline this year was alarming. Yes, I agree in, yeah. in most respects. But what I will say is toward the end of the regular season, it was getting better. You were starting to yeah. see him become, he, he was nowhere near what he was the season before, I will say that. There was, the, like, not to throw excuses, mate, but he did have the injury and whatever and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, could course. that be a factor, potentially? Mentally. Possibly. Yeah. Same with Pollard, in, like, coming off injury, possibly. But, when you're in the NFL and you're wanting to win a Super Bowl, there's no time for that. I know it yeah. sounds harsh, but it's true. You want your guys back in there, whether you're a hundred percent or not, and must be honest, and a majority of these players play injured all the time. There's, yeah, a nig- yeah. there's a niggle there. You might have cramp there and there. We had some Packers players dealing with hamstring and still played fantastic. Jer Alexander, of all people, he made the interception on Brandon Cooks. I mean, don't get me wrong, you could call that. Yeah, that was pass interference. Yeah, but he still made the play. You know, and that's a guy who was dealing with a hamstring injury. Yeah, the concerning trend for me is obviously we talked about after the Philadelphia game what the problem was, the initial Philadelphia game, what the problem was with Terrence Steele that, you know, because he was coming off rehab and all that, he probably hadn't been able to work on lower body strength. He'd been able to do the upper body side of things, but you need a whole body side of things. But what we're seeing is this offensive line has got, you know, they've got lean you know, yes, they're 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 stacked muscle wise and all that, but they're quite lean. And you're seeing it on the defensive line as well. Mazzy Smith was drafted at three hundred and thirty pounds to be a three hundred and thirty pound nose tackle, stuff the line. By the end of the season, there he was probably about the same weight as somebody like Osi Adigazuwa, uh, who was two ninety seven. So he's lost thirty three pounds yeah. and. You know, there's something there. Is that, you know, as Brian Brothers said on Talking Cowboys this week, is that the the whole complaint that he was slow out of his stance is he saying, well, if I lose weight, then I can be faster out of my stance. But then that negates what you're actually drafting him for. You're turning, you know, and again, there's this whole thing that Aiden Dirty on the draft show said, we have seen pass rush skills from Mazzy Smith flash it while he was at Michigan we think we can turn him into a pass rusher. 
you weren't drafting him to be a pass rusher. You were drafting him to be a stand-up guy. Next, if Neville Gallup, if Hankins um, went down, it was yeah. that space eater. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. Bahana wasn't cutting it, you know. And and again, that's there's a concern there that you know these guys are losing weight during the season. They, you know, we got the tour of the star, and they talk about how you've got all the world class. Uh, yeah, chefs yeah. and everything like that. These guys should be maintaining their weight, being 330 pounds. Yeah, they come off the field, they've lost eight pounds in, in sweat and everything like that. <laughs> but within a couple of days, they should be back up at their, their playing weight. Yep. Generally, you totally do agree find, with you, Long, 100%. You do find, though, if you go and look at it, a lot of teams, the players are losing weight throughout the season. It does happen. Mm. It is something that generally does happen. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, happens. Who, the movement yeah. away from yeah. taking these guys, taking taking them away and utilizing people in, in an incorrect manner is a problem for this team. They've done it with numerous players on both sides of the ball. It is a big, big problem. Like Lon just mm. said, you didn't draft Mazzy Smith to go and rush the passer. Yeah, there is yeah. a time and a place for everything, especially at the end of the season and in in, in the postseason. You got to be able to run the ball and you got to be able to stop the run. It is no surprise to me that of the four teams that are left in the NFC playoff picture, outside of Green Bay, who is the worst, the other three teams left one, two, and three. In terms of rushing. Yeah. But mm. bear in mind, that Aaron Jones averaged, like, in the last three games of the season, he was averaging over 100 yards per game. He was doing it. And oh, yeah. in talking you can, you can, of running yeah. back, I will say on this question, no for Dallas. That the, the reason Sam it's put running back slash wide receiver is that he's never run a route. He's never tried to catch a ball off... Off a route, he doesn't know how to run a bang nine. You say run a bang, he's not going to know what that means. It has no concept of route concepts, uh, and so he's put running black back slash tight end because if he doesn't know how to do that, then he knows how to carry the ball. But the unfortunate thing for him is that he's under two hundred pound, and there's not <laughs> there's not that many. Although the Cowboys have one. Already, there's not that many running backs that are under 200 pounds in the NFL. They just, it, it this doesn't is the, this and is the, the cow, thing, and the Cowboys that fit doesn't work. No, and yeah. this is the thing is that they they don't need a dual threat running back. <laughs> Outside of all that, everything you've just said, that's fine. They don't need a dual threat running back, they've already got it. What they the only thing, I, the only thing I think Zama could South be good for, back. the only thing I think. Zama could be good for for the Cowboys is because you've seen a, a decline in Turpin this year as a punt returner. That would be what I think he could fit as yep. for Dallas, and and that's realistic where he should start anyway. Because he, he special teams, coming, yeah. If he's coming in special teams, he's got to earn it, same as everyone else. He's going to go on punt return, hopefully earn a spot. Brilliant, and I would I would there. love just as much as Mike, just as much as Neil, being a Welshman to see Resamit. In a Cowboys uniform, I'd absolutely love it. I'd love it. Love it. I'd love to have his NFL jersey alongside my Wales jersey. I'd absolutely love it. 
and I'd love him to be an impact player every team. But the fact of the matter is, right now, we don't need a Lewis Reesamit. We don't need him. What we need is big, beefy linemen on both sides and a strong runner that can fall forward between yeah. the tackles. That's what you need. Because then you can allow Pollard to go do what he wants to do. If you want to let Pollard go, okay, we can have a conversation. Otherwise, no. This one, there's no point. What, what, you've got, what you've got to remember, what you've got to remember as well, the international player pathway has been expanded this year. There's, it's every single team has has to have one. Now there, there's there's a release just now with the first sixteen players that have signed up. Yep. Mostly for there's four players from Ireland, all kicker and punter. Mm-hmm. There's two, no, there's three from three from England. Um, two of them are offensive linemen. One is a kicker punter. You've got a wide receiver from Nigeria v- via Scotland. Yeah. You've got LRZ. You've mm. got a whole of the uh, Nigerians as well, which are coming through on the o- uh, going through on the Osteumanora school that yeah. he set up over there and all that. Funny um, how you see that happening a lot now. <laughs> any, uh-huh. Other than king, kicker and punters they're probably not going to feature at all this year. The no. The whole point of this IPP is that you get them in the training camp situation, you, you give them two build years, build them up, yeah. Build them yeah. up and then see then see what you've got. It hasn't worked for a lot of people. You, you know, FAO Bada is, <laughs> yeah, is probably the only guy that you could say it's worked on. Yeah, it's um, yeah. You know, and as much as we like Isaac Alcon, at the moment, all I'm seeing is him doing training videos in Dallas. He's still yeah. he's still working out in Dallas. He's living in Dallas, but they he's not been picked up. He's not been picked up by anybody. But you know, here's one about the Mazi and Schoolmaker pick. Still, I, I know Mazi on in some respects doesn't look like he made much of an impact. You have to give that time. The Schoolmaker pick is probably the one I have the most problem with, and Absolutely. it's probably the one I have the most problem with. Even going back to Taco Charlton, you know, people were confused about the Taco Charlton pick. Well, this one makes even less sense than that. Because, yeah, because we've got Ferguson and Hendershot who were actually phenomenal uh, the last year and they've they've picked up the pace this year. Well, Mm -hmm. in particular, Jake Ferguson, he's Mm -hmm. solidified himself as tight end number one. So I don't know why we spend a second round draft pick on a tight end where we could use that on building up another offensive lineman in that second round or get another like linebacker like who's the guy that um oh god what's his name kansas drafted in the second round the linebacker um i can't mind his name but there were so many good linebackers and that's he was playing for cincinnati You know the one they're talking about, the, the linebacker from Cincinnati? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Somebody will remember. But either way, there was a lot of good linebackers in that second round there for the taking. We could have got one me. of those guys. Or even, yeah, you say that, but even there was like... Price. They were, uh, yeah. Was it? Was it Price? No. There's... That's it. I'm going to have to check now because you got me it's bugging me but like you say that there was like other tight ends Ivan Pace Ivan Pace Ivan Pace Ivan not bad not bad little linebacker you know dual 
role sort of guy. But um, it's not just that. You know, Paul, there was... And we spoke about them during the draft period, which is now coming up for our show. Um, we spoke about certain inside offensive linemen, guards uh, and the such like. And they were there. They were available. And we just drifted right past them and went down the pack in order to... And I know... There was big question marks about the tight end position coming into this year. But I just think that this, again, is just another example of the the, the second-round pick failures for Dallas. But it didn't make any sense. Mazzy, on the other hand, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I just think for his first year in what he had to do, you've seen the physicality and the strength uh, and what he's able to produce. But it's just lacking technique. And I think that's just from being so overly powerful in Michigan, playing Big Ten football that way, he didn't never need to learn technique. Yeah. So I think next year with another season of learning with the coaching staff, you'll see technique and you'll see a different Mazzy Smith coming up. I, I, no, I, I, I totally I, agree I with you, Mike, because I, I think defensive tackle, like especially if you're being utilised as one, one specific skill set and to kind of yes. adapt... It's mm-hmm. going to be a lot harder than most positions, whereas defensive end, you may expect to be off ball. They do that in college, but whereas when it comes to the more inside of that defensive line, they have them set in their own ways, keep yeah. them to their strengths, and that's it. Um, that's why you always see a lot of gaps in like, college football, like high scores, because there is a lot of holes in play- players' games because... They're just trying to forklift. Yeah. <laughs> so with... Mazzy Smith, I still agree with it. Mm-hmm. We knew he's not going to be a day one guy. We knew that. But it was good to know that we did draft someone that could actually help potentially fix fix this in the long run. In the long run, yeah. That's the, that's, I, that's 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 the key here, is to have yeah. Smith there as the long run goal, is to yeah. really fix that. And, yeah, I totally agree. Like, give Mazzy Smith a year two, we will expect more from him. I would Year say. three, then we'll be and he's a pr- and he's a pr- he's a proper one tech like and everyone oh, knows my fully, and everyone knows about my disappointment with Neville Gallimore. Like I, I had big high expectations for him, but oh, I... when you've got a guy like Osa De Gizua playing well ahead of him, what yep. more can you do? Yeah. I mean, I think the Great. whole thing. I think as I said there, the whole thing about you know, if you remember going into the draft, half of the mock drafts had us taking. Dalton Kincaid had us taking Sam Laporta, whoever. We, you know, we were in the market for a tight end. Schoonmaker, you know, initially he he he'd graded out as a fourth rounder and built up steam as he went through the 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 whole the process. offseason pro- yeah, process. Yeah. Um, I think the whole fact that he turned up to camp injured. The, the plantar fasciitis and all that sort of stuff, and you know, didn't didn't get activated until a week before the end of training camp. All mm, that, sort that of doesn't stuff. help. It's it's similar to the Jalen Tolbert pick the year before, and we're seeing mm. stuff from Jalen Tolbert. I expect to see an improvement next year with Schoonmaker. At the same time, Hendershot spent half the time on IR this season. Um, Sean McKeon spent time on IR. We weren't expecting to keep Sean McKeon as well. So, but you still run a lot of second, two and three tight end sets. Um, you know, we, at points we ran a, a three tight end set with Chumadoga in there. Um, 
<coughs> admittedly, we ne he never reported the whole, you know, this whole uh, thing about reporting and all that. He did go to the referee. The referee never announced it to anybody, and we ran play and all this sort of stuff. So don't don't start getting me on the the whole no. alliance thing again. But um, uh, you know, I think there was a plan there. It just hasn't, you know. As we always say, the, the the draft is an absolute lottery, and this year at the moment it looks like we failed on that on those picks across the board. But you know, two three years down the line, this might be you know we might see something from this group, and it might you might be saying, oh, but this is this is one of the the world beating drafts that we've ever had. It doesn't look like it at the moment, but don't just focus on one year. Especially yeah, when you're saying definitely. that Muzzy, Muzzy Smith was only ever drafted to be a backup to begin with. The stats uh, are always going to look squiffy with him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not a position. It's not a position where you excel for stats. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a selfless it, position in that way. People yeah. need to need to give it time. Need to remember. If you remember one thing, there's the one thing I always remember is everyone was hot, hot on the heels of Tank on his first season until he helped you win the game against the Lions in the postseason. He didn't do anything in the regular season worth shouting about. But come postseason, got his first sack, and it helped win you a playoff game. Give it give it time. You, you can't bank judge a draft on one year. You just can't. No. Uh, but there we have it, guys. A fan run show. We hope you've managed to vent and get some off. It's not over. We're still continuing on. We will be back next week. Now, we won't be back on Tuesday, though there will be Tuesday shows going forward. we just got to flip some things over and set some things into place. But next Thursday, we will be back where we get to talk all about the draft, guys. Draft prospects oh, yeah. and roster yeah. spots. But next week, we'll start off first of all with, with looking at positions of need and then from there, we can start talking of prospects. So get your thinking caps on uh, for the next week where you can think about where the, the Cowboys need players the most. And then going on from there, we'll be back then after that, Tuesdays and Thursdays, talking all about the draft. Uh, let's have a look. Ooh, what just happened there? Oh, there we go. It was my, my computer screen. I do apologize. Uh, go on, Paul. Hit me with it, mate. Yes, guys, if you're planning on going to a Dallas Cowboys game next year, be sure to go and check out CowboysExperience.com for game tickets, stadium tours, meet and greets, and much, much more. That's right. And there will be some news as well after the Super Bowl about something happening somewhere sometime with us. So <laughs> keep an eye on that. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, uh, yeah, so keep an eye on that. We just hope you manage to vent. That's the main thing. Get get the big exhale out. Get things set into motion. And now we get to talk about making the Dallas Cowboys roster better through the NFL draft. Where they get stronger, of course. Yeah. And we'll we'll go through that. We'll do free agency. We'll do some mock drafts. We'll do it all. It's all coming up over the next few weeks. A lot sooner than we wanted to. Um but yes, of course, that means we are over, which means stay safe over the weekend. We'll see you next week. I had the first word of the show, but these guys all have the last word. You've been the MVPs of the show, as always, and you've been the MVPs throughout the whole season. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, so let these guys have the last word, and we'll get out of here. Stay safe, folks.
Right, guys, have a great week. Try and put this behind us. Start building for next year. Okay, move on and we start start fresh on Monday. Dallas Braves are Philly for never. Oh, can I steal my lane? Um, <laughs> yeah, screw the Eagles. Ha!